This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Racism has a cure, but racial reconciliation as we know it is not the answer. D.A. Horton unpacks how God addresses these issues and where to take it from there in his new book, Intentional. Go to dahorton.com to learn more about Intentional. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me today is no one because Jamar Tisby, the man, the myth, the legend, the best-selling author, etc., he has decided to go to South Africa without me. Not only did he go to South Africa, but he brought some friends with him. He brought people that you may have heard of, Ikemeni Uwan, Dr. Christina Edmondson, Dr. Micah Edmondson. It is not fair. I cannot tell you guys how upset I am that I am not on this South Africa trip with these good black folks. I don't understand why they did not bring me. Okay, so I can't be too mad because last year I actually had the privilege of going to South Africa without Jamar and without the crew. So I guess they're just returning the favor, but shouts out to them, the ladies of Truth's Table, Dr. Micah Edmondson, and of course, our president here at The Witness, Jamar Tisby, as they continue to traverse throughout South Africa, Johannesburg, Cape Town, other places. And if you're in that area, see if you can meet up with them, reach out to them, and uh, go to the events that they're doing. They're doing some phenomenal work of unpacking race in an African context, and then also from a Western perspective as well. So um, we are praying for them, but didn't want to leave you guys without an episode this week. And so I wanted to do something that's maybe a little bit different. I'm just going to be on the mic. It's just me today. I wanted to give you a reaction of a film, a pseudo review, I guess you could say, of this film that I had the privilege of watching. It's a film called Waves. And Waves is... Oh my goodness. There's so many. I feel all the things about Waves. I had the privilege of watching Waves a little bit early. And it's interesting because it's been something that has really been a struggle for me to process. It's definitely something where you're going to be feeling and uh, deeply emoting, and you're going to be interacting with some very painful, um, brutal images on screen. And so it's taken me a while to kind of sit back and process what what I feel about this film uh, called Waves. Let me read you the synopsis really quick. The, the film's description reads that Waves traces the journey of a suburban family led by a well-intentioned but domineering father as they navigate love, forgiveness, and coming together in the aftermath of a loss. Uh, this is a film about a Black family. So it automatically is something that I'm intrigued by, something that I want to watch, something that doesn't always get the the type of treatment, the type of a brutally honest look that it deserves. And a number of different people kind of make this film what it is. Um, some of the stars of this particular movie, Taylor Russell, Kelvin Harrison, uh, Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us, Renee Elise Goldsberry, 
they do a phenomenal job of depicting what it's like to be in a Black family. So this connects with me because it's this picture and it's this picture of fatherhood and parenting. And that was the first thing that stood out to me. What stood out to me is this incredible sense of pain and passion that Sterling K. Brown represents as the Black father, the patriarch of the family. He is pushing his son, who happens to be named Tyler, he's pushing his son so hard. He's pushing his daughter so hard. He's pushing his wife so hard. And he's so passionate and he wants to give them the world in the midst of his push, in the midst of their drive towards what he feels is going to be success, everything goes off the rails. And I sense in the midst of this that there were so many parallels to modern day Black parenting. What does it look like to try to give your kids all the same opportunities or even more opportunities than what you had, but also to face the fact that we may be pushing them too hard. We may be fraying them at the edges. We may be pushing them towards trauma. Um, We may be pushing them to win our approval by accomplishments or by awards or by uh, law, basically, if we're using a spiritual term. And it really, it was deeply affecting for me because I'm trying to unpack my own experience as as a son of Black parents, right? I'm trying to unpack what it looks like now that I am a father to look back on my time as a son and process what that meant for me, how impactful it was, the parts of it that were harrowing and difficult, the parts that were painful, uh, the parts that I enjoyed. There are some incredible human moments between Sterling K. Brown's character, uh, Ronald, and Tyler. They're lifting weights together. They're practicing wrestling moves. They're interacting. And there's one scene in particular that really showed the underbelly and the underside of kind of domineering parenting. And it's a scene where uh, Ron says something to his son in his room in a way that felt so dismissive, but also felt like such trauma. Like he looked at his son and was basically saying, you know, you can just get out of here. I don't really care what you think. And then he kind of catches himself and says, look, this world isn't going to care about you. And in that moment, I thought of ta Coates' book, Between the World and Me, and how he talks about how his father beat him to save him, how his father reacted the way that he did because he knew that other people were not going to care about his body. But in turn, he traumatizes his body trying to protect him from other people who are going to traumatize his body. And so there's so many layers in that, and I don't want to give away any spoilers, but Ron has this this painful, um, ultimately terrifying relationship with his son and with his daughter and even with his wife as well. And so it touches on this idea of Black parenting, and then it's also a blended family as well. So how does a mother interact with these children that are not biologically her own and how does she process these things and how do how do they respect her do they um, do they honor the fact that she is she is the only mother that they know in that particular context and um, so that's that's one part of it the second part that really stood out to me is it is really difficult to be a teenager in 2019 it's actually been something that I've tried to remind people in the church and try to remind faith communities of 
recently we had a what we call a children's Sabbath celebration at our church, and it's uh, sponsored by the Children's Defense Fund. And the idea is to kind of create a theology of child advocacy. Now, how do we advocate on behalf of our children and make that something that is central to um, the way our church interacts with advocacy and justice? And so one of the things that I said in my sermon uh, entitled No Child Left Behind is that kids have a very difficult life. And a lot of times we think about being a parent and being a parent is difficult, but being a child in 2019 is nigh impossible. And the the film really deftly kind of takes some of these common problems that, that kids face and teenagers face and shows how they can compound with the addition of social media, societal pressures, domineering parenting, and also a push for success and excellence. And so Tyler goes through this weird shift of he has the world ahead of him, but there's so many pressures that he doesn't really know how to manage. And when you watch the film at first, you think, oh, he's he's killing it. He's an exemplary young man. And as a black young man, he's doing all these incredible things and he's got a leg up. But a couple of things kind of make everything unravel. And as it unravels, you start to see the pressure cooker and you start to see the fact that he melts down under the weight of all that pressure. And he doesn't know how to cope. He doesn't know how to deal with it. He doesn't know how to respond properly. And he doesn't have the equipment to do any of that because that's not something that his parents have done well themselves. And so it's kind of this intergenerational struggle and wrestle because when you have a group of parents who haven't unpacked it well, now the kids are struggling with the same thing. And it encapsulates how social media makes everything a problem, how um, maybe even the interaction of relationships in a modern context is difficult, how the interracial um, element of relationships and dating is very difficult, um, how one mistake can doom you, how one misstep can actually lead to a whole host of unintended consequences and um, a lack of attentiveness by parents, all these other things that really were arresting and jarring to watch. Stop saying reconciliation. Reconciliation implies that diverse groups of people were at one time at a point of conciliation, but that hasn't been the case. As the people of God, we're the only humans who have experienced true reconciliation. There is no one better to enter this tension with hope and solutions. What does God say about racism? In the Bible, he addresses it, but it's not our 21st century Americanized version of racism. He gets at the core, the sin of partiality. And when we really understand that, we can learn how to embrace our kingdom ethnicity and teach others to do the same. Read Intentional by D.A. Horton as he breaks down how God addresses these issues and the practical guidance for where we go from there. Following Jesus holistically means holding intention our unique ethnic heritages while being part of a new humanity. Go to dahorton.com to learn more about his new book, Intentional. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Grieve, Breathe, Receive, Finding a Faith Strong Enough to Hold Us, written and narrated by Pastor Steve Carter. Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Those three words became a profound mantra for Steve Carter during a season of deep healing, the kind that comes after painful trauma. Grieve, 
Breathe, Receive is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. And then the third thing I would say is, and this is the, the reason why I felt like it was so important to, to talk about this in a PTM context. So the third thing that really stood out to me was this idea of the way in which this film handles grace and forgiveness. It handles grace and forgiveness in a way that is brutally honest and realistic to what grace and forgiveness will require of the one who is offended. We don't have a lot of pictures of that. We have a lot of pictures of heroic forgiveness, heroic giving of grace. I mean, you obviously think of Brant John and Amber Geiger recently, right? You obviously think of the Emmanuel Nine situation, which was far more complicated than people gave it credit for. You think of all these different popular examples of Black grace and forgiveness, but what so many people require and so many people request is cheap grace, is cheap forgiveness. And as we think about the ways in which that plays itself out in a human context, non, you know, bumper sticker headline, non, you know, people using and weaponizing that on a mass national scale. What I see is forgiveness needs to be depicted with the appropriate amount of pain. And this film enters into some painful, it was almost as though I didn't know if I should be watching this because it's it's so realistic in the way that it's told. I was like, man, I don't know if this, it made me uncomfortable at points because it touches on conversations, whether it's intra-family um, forgiveness and grace, and then also kind of the interaction with the broader society. And what is required of these characters seems to be a full immersion in almost the depths and the abyss of pain that sin produces. People don't realize, we, we just skip over this, but sin creates a chain reaction of consequences that most people are not fully properly entering into. They're just trying to get to the catharsis. They're trying to get to the resolution. They're trying to get to the reconciliation. They're trying to get to a place where they can move past the situation because there's so much pain in it. And a couple of the characters, they just... They don't know how to deal with the pain. They say, I don't, I, I just can't deal with this right now. Or I can't interact with this right now. I can't enter into this conversation. Or, I, I can't take it. And I identify with them because I said, man, if I was going through what they're going through at this point in time in the film and, and this point in time in their narrative, I don't know what I would do. And Ways brilliantly depicts in a way that I think a lot of Christian films, and this is not really a Christian film in an explicit sense but it deals with themes of faith. And one of the uh, scriptures that really is highlighted is Proverbs uh, 10, verse 12, um, which says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude. Love covers all offenses. And the way in which it's used, it's not used as a way of diminishing. It's not used as a way of minimizing. It's not used as a way of dismissing. It's used in the context of providing someone with the tools necessary to move forward in their lives. And how are we going to interact with grace and forgiveness without diminishing what has been done to us, without diminishing that pain, without diminishing that trauma? And this film opened a lot of things up for me. It opened up a lot of conversations that I need to have with my parents. 
It opened up a lot of conversations that I need to have with friends um, who, whether we're close or not, maybe there's been a fence that has been dominated within our relationship um, that has kind of overshadowed some of our friendship. Conversations that I need to have with my wife. Um, it, it really deeply moved me. Now, it's not without its problems. There are certainly there's certain things in the pacing of the film and in the length of the film that I wish would have been changed or adjusted. But these characters sold out. They went all in on their portrayal. And I feel like it, it would benefit Black families to kind of sit in this. It would benefit Black teenagers to reckon with this. It would benefit um, a lot of people who are interacting within these Black um, spaces to really sit in, and require what is, what is the requirement of forgiveness and what does our faith tell us about how we interact with people? There's one scene that's really innocuous where they're interacting, the main characters who don't appear, they, they go to church, but don't appear to be Christians in the confessional sense or in the you know applicable sense. They interact with a group of Christians and the, it is not positive. <laughs> it is not a positive interaction. It is an extremely negative interaction. And... As I sat back and I said, wow, how, how does that reaction that he just had with this group of Christians lead him into anger or lead him into making a mistake or lead him into a couple of things that would come later on in the film? And I saw a moment for love to be displayed and it wasn't. I saw a moment for forgiveness to be given and it wasn't. I saw a moment for grace to be extended and it wasn't. And then it leads to a chain reaction that unravels a family. So uh, I know that's that's pretty heavy. That's pretty tough. But I just want to give you guys a reaction to the movie Waves. I think it's an important film. I think it's a film that if you get the opportunity to see it in your area, you should. And it really touches on some of these very difficult topics that Christians are actually historically poor at handling. And so whatever... Your reaction is, I would like to hear it. I would like to hear your reaction to this film. If you've seen it, reach out to us. We have a great article uh, by CJ Quarterbaum on the website, um, thewitnessbcc.com, that talks about waves as well from his perspective. So go check that out. And as always, we want you guys to continue listening to the podcast, sharing, rating, reviewing, and also supporting our sponsors. Because next week, we will be back with another great conversation, a conversation that you do not want to miss a full, fully loaded, full-fledged past the mic conversation that we've been waiting to have for a little bit. So you want to stay tuned for that. Um, well, this has been Tyler Burns, your host here at Pass the Mic. We'll see you next time. And again, if you get the opportunity, go check out the movie Waves. Peace. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.